Knowing the Big Ten, I know this would never actually happen, but my gut's telling me we could see all blowouts come Saturday. You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Locked On Big Ten. Coming up on today's show, I think we could get all blowouts on Saturday in seven games across the Big Ten. Plus, Matt Sheehan from Locked On Spartans is in to give his takes on what happened last weekend in the tunnel. That's coming up as well as the schedule for the Big Ten weekend. We've got some postseason tournaments starting up in the conference, so it's going to be a fun one as we get into, for football season, the home stretch, and for a whole bunch of other sports, the postseason in the Big Ten. Before we get to any of that, though, today's show is brought to you by Underdog. If you go over to Underdog Fantasy and sign up with our code Locked On, you'll get a first deposit match up to $100. We'll tell you more about that in just a minute. First, though, let me tell you what I'm thinking here for the weekend. As it stands, a full Big Ten slate of games. Seven games, 14 teams. None of them all that super, super exciting. At least when you compare it to some of the weeks we have in the Big Ten normally. And also, like, just going throughout all of last year, there were just more teams in it this late into the season than what we have now. But anyway, it looks like right now we've got a lot of lopsided matchups. Only two games are working with spreads of less than two touchdowns right now. We've talked about those games already with Danny Cannell yesterday. It's Iowa against Purdue and then Maryland against Wisconsin. And while these two games appear to be the closest to the weekend, and the only two that could end up anywhere near close at the end of the day on Saturday, I have a feeling that they could be pretty lopsided as well, and not for the teams that are typically the winners in the Big Ten in these two matchups. Let's start with Purdue and Iowa, because this is a matchup where I feel like if you're someone just looking from the outside, you're like, I don't see an edge anywhere. Iowa's defense is really good. Purdue's offense is really good. Purdue comes in as a favorite, but it's Iowa. So you have no idea exactly just how well that Purdue offense is going to do against that stout Iowa defense every single time that defense goes out against a team. However, with Jeff Brom, you kind of do have a little bit of an idea of how he's going to do against Iowa, and it's pretty well. Jeff Brom is 4-1 and one in his tenure with Purdue against the Iowa Hawkeyes and Kirk Ferentz. This guy's had Iowa's number. In two home matchups, tomorrow's game is going to be at Ross-Aid Stadium. In the two home matchups in the five matchups so far, Purdue averaging 31 points per game. Purdue has scored in the five games, 38, 24, 24, 24, third time, am I? Yeah, 24, third time, and then 20. This is a team that has consistently been able to at least put up some sort of points against Iowa and has never, never been shut down by the Hawkeyes' defense while Jeff Brom has been there. He has had Kirk Ferentz's number as far as getting his team to score points against the Hawkeyes. And for Iowa, stopping teams from scoring points has been the only thing that's gotten them anywhere near wins this season. And for the last few seasons, you could argue. But anyway, the point being... 
that while I'm looking at a matchup where normally I would say, okay, Iowa against Purdue, yes, Purdue has a good team, but we know that Iowa knows how to win these games. And I'm still thinking that. The numbers are at least a little bit more, I'd say, magnified even, that Purdue has a chance to go ahead and pull away in this game. Four out of the last five matchups, four of the five matchups in which Jeff Brom has been the head coach here since he took over at 2017, Purdue has been the winner. And Purdue's offense this year, I'd argue, is quite a deal better than the average of those five offenses that Jeff Brom had before against the Hawkeyes. It's also a matchup of the big upset from last season when Iowa was up at the top of the polls and suffered its first loss. So there's that revenge factor in there too. But if I'm seeing Iowa win this game, it's in a close one. When I'm talking about how does this become a blowout, the only way that happens is if Purdue's offense does what it's been able to do against Iowa since Jeff Brom has gotten there. And to be honest, with a better offense out there than what I've seen in previous years from Purdue, and an Iowa defense that, while it has been insanely, insanely good in stopping teams and putting up low numbers, it also has not had huge, huge tests too often yet. Held Illinois to nine points in a loss, but still held Illinois to nine points, but then gave up the 53, it was, 54 against Ohio State, and then 27 against Michigan. Aside from that, this defense hasn't really had to face a team that's had a really great functional offense. And if Purdue can be some sort of resemblance of that on Saturday, I think the Boilermakers easily win this ballgame. But it is still Iowa, and that is still a factor that the Hawkeyes know how to stay competitive and win these games. The next matchup, Wisconsin against Maryland. Wisconsin, another team that we know, knows how to stay competitive and wins these games with its defense. However, Wisconsin hasn't been doing it with its defense as of late. It's done it with the offense. Last three games, and this hasn't all been offense scoring the points, but last three games, 35, 28, and 42 points put up. I hope that this means we can get a really nice offensive competitive back and forth game between Maryland and Wisconsin. Because what I'm afraid is going to happen is that the Maryland offense is going to solidify a spot in the top 25 next week by just blowing the doors off of the Badgers here. This is a Maryland team that is, as I said, approaching the top 25. Would have been, I thought, 28 it may have been, if I'm remembering right, if the AP polls went out that far this week. But will be a top 25 team if it wins this game and has an opportunity with the offense for Wisconsin clicking, to be able to really get into a running-gun thing here and see if they can pull out this win. Now, Wisconsin is not going to try and do it that way, of course. They're going to want to play the slow game. They're going to want to maybe even play a more low-scoring game than they have in the previous weeks. And that would go, of course, against what Maryland wants to do, too. So play into your own strengths if you're the Badgers. Get Maryland a little bit uncomfortable and get them trying to do a little bit something different than what they would like to. I'm afraid of what Maryland's offense can do, though. I'm not afraid of Graham Mertz being able to keep it up on offense for Wisconsin. So if I'm looking at both of these games and I'm saying, okay, how do things turn out? I don't see a way where Wisconsin blows out Maryland or Iowa blows out Purdue. And that's not surprising. That's not the way these two teams try to win games usually. I mean, if they end up are able to just run the ball all through four quarters and win this game, 
then Wisconsin and Iowa will easily take a win with just 17 points and not care about how many points all the teams have been putting up in the weeks before. That's the way that, to an extent, both these schools do play their football games. So if that ends up happening tomorrow, I'm not going to be surprised. However, all I'm saying is I just kind of believe in these offenses a little bit more than I believe in the Wisconsin and Iowa defenses right now. And that's weird to say, given how good these Big Ten defenses are. But I just think they're going to be able to put up some points. Not huge numbers. Maybe not the 31 points that I mentioned Purdue is averaging at home against Iowa under Jeff Brom. But at least enough to be able to say, hey, by the end of the game, yeah, Iowa's not going to be able to keep up with this number. Or Wisconsin. Because that's what I'm really concerned about here. Yeah, I think the defenses for Iowa and Wisconsin could easily hold these two teams to... Anywhere from, I mean, I mean, you could be single digits, but I would put it more around like 2025. And the point being that I don't think that either of these offenses are going to have enough in them to keep up with even maybe a 20 or a 25. And we'll see what happens if either of the Maryland or Purdue offenses does come out hot and score some points to start off. Because if they get down behind early then things could get really, really bad if Wisconsin and Iowa are forced to try and score some points. That's at least the way I see it. But again, we have to wait and see exactly how everything plays out. Uh, We have to wait and see how exactly everything plays out with the incident we had in the tunnel between Michigan and Michigan State, too. But we do have Matt Sheehan on for the first time since it happened. I wanted to pick his brain on his thoughts from the Michigan State side, and he had some interesting stuff to tell us. We'll talk to Matt in just a minute here on Locked On Big Ten. Before we get to that, though, this episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. It's the easiest way to spice up your college football season. All you have to do is go over to Underdog Fantasy, create your account, and look at the different pick'em choices for your team each week. Your team or across the Big Ten, if you're more that speed like myself. You identify players you are going to choose in your pick'em, and then you go lower or higher the numbers that Underdog puts out for you. You put them out in about two to five different groups of players you can pick together, and you can win 10 times, 20 times your money over at Underdog. Sign up with promo code LOCKED ON, one word, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. You deposit $100, get $100 free. That's underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store, Google Play Store, and wherever you get your apps. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code LOCKED ON. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. Hey, welcome into Locked On Big Ten. Alongside Matt Sheehan, Locked On Spartans, I'm Nate Dickinson. We're here to bring you a little bit of a look at what's going on on what went on off the field over last weekend between Michigan and Michigan State. Uh, Obviously, we talked about it after it happened, Matt, here on the show, but this is the first we're hearing from either of our hosts from the actual game about it. So as Michigan State now has eight players out for this weekend, uh, I I mean, just... uh, I guess anything, everything you have, what's the biggest stuff about all that's going on since Saturday? <sighs> I, <laughs> that's how I start. Uh, just silence. Cause what, what is there to say, you know, except everything, like I can go on for this for three hours. It's just, 
another chapter in this rivalry's history, Nate. It's it's awesome. Um, it's just great dialogue happening between the fan bases. This is great. Uh, in Michigan, uh, every single fan wants every single Spartan player, coach, alumni, donor to be put in prison. And then there's some faction of our own fan base over here that's like, a player suspended. Like it should have been one at most. It's like guys, that's it's just this great dialogue going on over here. But man, it's. <clears throat> I really don't know what to say. Like, yeah, obviously Michigan state, um, eight players suspended. Okay. It's not like they suspended them for no reason. Those eight players clearly did something wrong there, but also at the same time, like, yeah, sure. I will be that guy that plays the card of why do things keep happening inside of Michigan's tunnel? And why is a player skipping off field directly into the opponent's uh, like line or huddle, however you want to word it, instead of celebrating on the field. Look, did the kid have it coming where he's having a helmet swung at him and beaten over him repeatedly? Of course not. I'm not a monster, but I like, what did you think was going to happen? This is a very emotional game. It was an ugly game too. In the midst of an ugly season, we're doing a lot of barking and Oh, sometimes you get bit when you do that again, horrible. It happened. MSU being very accountable and suspending those eight players as well. Not the NCAA, not the big 10. No Michigan state is suspending these guys. So yes, well, they are completely at fault for what they did in the moment at least they're suspending them and not just oh humming and hot and just taking their time and not suspending anyone like it look that it's the response everyone wanted you know harbaugh's like oh an apology's not going to be enough it's like well jim jim we suspended eight players like there's ongoing criminal investigation that michigan state is cooperating in our ad apologize head coach apologize the president apologize like, well, let's let's pump the brakes here a little bit. You're getting everything that you want. Like how much more do you want to milk out of this? So yeah, I've got 48,000 different thoughts on it, but my overarching thought, I'm just so annoyed because no one's going to listen to the other side. Like this is going to go on for not weeks, not months, but probably years. We're going to hear about this. And it's just, I just hate this rivalry so much just because it's so God bleep and annoying, man. Um, so yeah, thrilled to see that happen at the end of Saturday's game. Just awesome. A 20 point loss wasn't enough. It's a hard question to ask, but like, what yeah. kind of blame do you put on Michigan here? Because on the show, I was willing to say, hey, Jim Harbaugh was very dismissive of what James Franklin had to say a few weeks ago with the Penn State yeah. incident. But at the same time, I don't put any blame on him for not being able to anticipate something like this happening. It's very hard to anticipate something this insane happening, right? I mean, but yeah, it, it has. <laughs> now we're at the chapter of the dialogue in between the two fan bases is like, oh, well, who's at fault for having it this tense? And some people are like, oh, this started when D'Antonio took over. Like, uh, interesting, because I think it kind of took over when a head coach stepped in Ann Arbor and just kept on screaming, no, who's got it better than us, even before you did anything. Like, your players come into campus every single year, born on first, thinking they've hit a home run. Like, no one's ever held accountable there. No, no one's ever asked to do anything uh, punishing for a matter of fact, like you could just look two weeks ago. Uh oh, that's strange. A, a key player on their team is retweeting anti Semitic stuff on his timeline, and no one questions it or anything. He gets to use the excuse that, oh, it was a glitch. That's it. No, no one in the Detroit media questions it. No punishment from Michigan. We just all keep moving along as if that's just a normal thing to do. And believe me, anyone on Twitter and has half a brain, which is a majority of the population of Twitter users, myself included, Knows that that's just not a glitch that when you retweet a video, like there's not two boxes you have to check, but I digress. It's just like this constantly over and over again. It's just always, even if they do do something wrong, it's an eight hour story. But now here we are inside of a week long news cycle where 
yeah, uh, everything is squarely on Michigan State, and they did everything wrong. It's like, yeah, it's awesome. Cool. Great. This is uh, another round of this. So, yeah, Nate, I'm fired up. I'm annoyed. Um, and, yeah, and no one's going to like what I'm saying because this is also a topic where you get 500 people in a room. You're going to get probably 498 different opinions, and everyone is going to be as passionate about theirs as the next person. So, yeah, it's just, just I'll say it again, sensational dialogue, really healthy stuff going on over here. <laughs> yeah. how long do you think these players can be out that's great uh some like look i'm not a lawyer i'm not a um a judge i'm not a police officer uh perhaps the guy's swinging the helmet around probably forever uh probably quite some time uh, that's that's gonna be a hard one to uh defend a, a little bit but uh i i don't know what the other six or seven players had to do with the scuffle look i and maybe this is my fault that I haven't watched every single video or listened to every single interview, but it's like, I look, it's obviously the one guy swinging the hell around. Okay. Suspend him or kick him off the team. That's, I won't have an issue with that whatsoever, but yeah, clearly the other seven guys did something. And now we're just going to see what the authorities say that they did what the extent of that is that there's going to be criminal charges pressed and you go from there. It could be one week. It could be the rest of the season. I, I really have no idea just because I don't know what's going on in these criminal investigations. So I wish I could give you a better answer. And I wish it was like a short suspension. I wish it could be like, oh, hey, it actually, when you look at it this way, it, it wasn't that bad. But I, I think that would be childish to just assume that's going to be the, the result here. I think that, yeah, some of the stuff they saw, some of the stuff they heard from interviews, probably bad enough to warrant a long uh, suspension. So we'll see. We'll see. All right. So, I mean, what happens then next time these two teams play? I mean, is this, is this unhealthy at your point for you? I, I don't yeah. know. It is. And it has been for a while, no, no doubt about it. And look, I, you could point to a, a myriad of issues as to why it's gotten to this point. I mean, I, I just said why, Hey, maybe Jim Harbaugh should be held accountable. And of course, some people are saying, Hey, D'Antonio really should be held accountable. So it's a whole melting pot. I think I know what it is. I think that their issue with Antonio is actually that he kind of flipped the script of this rivalry, won a few times, did it with a massive chip on his shoulder, and then that kind of has soaked the flames around here. But there has been the dialogue going on of, like, should they take a break for a few years between this rivalry? I mean, there's 13 other schools that these guys can schedule in the Big Ten, and it's like, okay, you, you put a four-year pause on it. Like, the hatred isn't going to go away. Like all this nonsense is going to continue. And the nonsense too happens off the field. I'm not even talking between players. It's just between fans, media. It's, it's just not healthy all around, but okay. He's take a four year break. It's like shaking a soda bottle for four years and then opening it the next time these two teams meet. Like it's, it, I don't think a break is going to do anything. I just think you're in limbo here, stuck in, in a, in a problem that you might not be able to fix because uh, oh boy. There are rivalries that are really just celebrated. Oh, the history between these schools are great. Oh, let's all go to a cocktail party. Ooh, the Red River shootout's always fun. Like, no, this isn't a pageantry rivalry. There's legitimate hate, legitimate beef between the two teams. And, well, you saw that come out Saturday. Uh, so, yeah, no. So what do you do, Nate? Got the same. What do you think we should do? Because I got, I got no answers. I truly have no answers. Play the game at 8 a.m. when everyone's – tempers are the lowest i don't know it's i got no idea no idea yeah i don't know what happens next time these two teams play i don't know what the best Nothing. answer is for any of this Nothing good. We'll, yeah yeah we'll see what ends yeah. up going on it was it's just a it's messy it's gotten messy and it's, it's gotten not to good the point it's gotten to the point where it just can't be avoided uh up until now anything that's happened again with the 
complaints about the tunnel or anything like that it's kind of been able to be like all right dismissive is hey just just walk down the tunnel and be able to get sure. to the locker rooms this is kind and of if, yeah this is what makes it become something that needs to be addressed and like the, their tunnel incidents too have obviously never boiled to this point i mean some of it may have seemed a little fugazi you know like oh is this like are, are they actually yelling at each other are they actually going to start shoving each other or is it like a holy back bro situation but like i I mean, look, it's, it's not like the warning signs weren't there. Am I absolving Michigan State of all blame? No, I think I've made that very clear in the last few minutes that, yeah, some guys really screwed up. They let their emotions get the best of them. Everyone has a worse day in their entire lives. And it was that day for a handful of Michigan State Spartans. And now they're paying the price for it, of course. But look, I mean, I, and I get it. Like, people are going to be very upset and like, oh, you're victim blaming and everything like that. And sure, fine, call it that. But like, really co complete like that you just you just didn't know how this happened like that that's the craziest part it's like the few people that are like how does even something like this happen mm -hmm. oh, think with your head like what, what do you think you think the player was just whistling show tunes just going back to the tunnel all just like hey guys good game today please come on no did a little too much barking and unfortunately got bit hope, hope he's okay hope he heals properly that was my first thought at when i saw the video i want you know I'm not this sick of a person. My first thought was, oh, I hope everyone's okay. And then, well, you just heard my second through 200 thoughts right there. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just been great to talk about. Uh, whatever. All right. Well, let's look forward, Matt, before we let you go. Uh, upcoming yeah. weekend, we talked to Danny Canelli yesterday on the show about all the lines around. But do you have a best bet that you're looking at? I actually don't have the lines in front of me. I should have had That's them fine. to have for you. But do you have a best bet that you like going into this weekend? I'm going to keep the ball in my own court here with Michigan State, and I'm going to do something very strange, especially like with everything we just talked about, the suspensions. Among those suspensions, uh, our best player, Jacoby Winman, he's gone. And now this spread has ballooned from 10 points to 17-point underdogs going to Champaign, Illinois, to face the – they got a great team down there. Look at that. But I'm going to do something I rarely do, and that's take Michigan State. And with that said, too, I'm also going to take under 41 because you're ready for this, Nate. We're looking at 25 to 30-mile-an-hour winds in Memorial Stadium, gusts of up to north of 40 miles per hour. Uh, that's going to make an ugly game. That's going to make a low scoring game. And look, when it's going to be this low scoring, 17 points. Look, I know Michigan State is anything special. <laughs> you want to talk about how bad they are, talk to me first, because I'll let you know how ugly it's been. But 17, I, mm, I think that it's going to be something along the lines of give me like a 23 to 11 game we miss an extra point or something like that and like that yeah so yeah that's my best bet msu plus 17 under 41 that i feel really good about i love it matt thank you as always matt sheen's on locked on spartans every single day of the week and you locked can always on hear him here that's right on locked on you know big 10 as well and you we'll have it. you here back on soon thanks matt again for talking to us for a couple of minutes we'll get you back on again here next week you're the man Nate. you're the man Nate. you're the man <laughs> Thanks again, Matt Sheehan, for joining us on the show. Before we wrap up a look into the weekend in Big Ten sports, a big one around the conference as always. Uh, first, uh, some scores from yesterday. The field hockey tournament started out for the Big Ten yesterday, last night, and throughout the day. Four-seed Michigan defeated five-seed Iowa 3-0. The two-seed Maryland defeated seven-seed Ohio State 5-2. And the three-seed Northwestern defeated six-seed Rutgers 2-1 to one in overtime, the final score there. So no upsets through the first day. It sets up matchups today between number four-seed Rutgers and one-seed Penn State, who starts its tournament today, and number three-seed Northwestern against two-seed Maryland. 
Also, the men's soccer tournament starts today. Real quickly, one seed Maryland plays eight Northwestern, two Rutgers plays seven Wisconsin, three Ohio State plays six Michigan State, and four seed Indiana plays five seed Penn State. In other, new, in other games on the schedule for tomorrow on Saturday, you'll likely be watching football, but in case you wanted to get into action on the ice, number one Michigan is against number 13 Penn State hockey on Saturday. Number 12 Notre Dame is against number three Minnesota hockey as well. That's a look at all the scores going into the weekend and into Saturday here on Locked On Big Ten. We'll, of course, recap the entire weekend of football on Monday's show and of It's basketball season. It starts officially on Monday, games that count on the 7th. So we're going to get some basketball people in here too to discuss things going into the season and what we should look forward to in these first few weeks of basketball. We'll get into all of that here on Locked On Big Ten next week. I hope you enjoy your weekend of Big Ten football and everything else. I'm Nate Dickinson. This has been Locked On Big Ten. Be sure to follow the show wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube and on Twitter. It's Locked On Big Ten, one zero, not T-E-N. And I'm Nate with Sports, at Nate with Sports. Until Monday, this has been Locked On Big Ten.